welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us, and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. Finding your people can be one of the most important things that you do as you make your way in the world. And when you find them, it feels like coming home. Feels like family. Many of us have found a group or groups of people we consider to be family. Chosen family, as opposed to biological or family of origin, can be essential, especially for those of us in alternate lifestyles. The people we end up sharing our lives and experiences with can be extensive. Not just our partners and close friends, but their partners, our former loves, casual sex friends, and fellow pervs and kinksters can make up our chosen family. They're the people we can truly be ourselves with, maybe for the first time ever. Much like our families of origin, however, there can be issues within our chosen family. We're not always going to love the people our people love, and may end up spending time with those we wouldn't choose to on our own. And when relationships end... The devastation and loss can be amplified since we sometimes lose an extended network of people because we're no longer connected with the partner that was the nexus between us. I'm Kat Stark, and on this episode of On the Wet Coast, Flick Morrison and I are discussing chosen family. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't you tell me a little bit about your experience with chosen family? Well, um, for for me, um, you know, my... My biological family uh, has has never lived really far, but they've also never been particularly close geographically. So, um, for uh, you know, for my entire adult life, uh, there's been an element of chosen family to my life. It's usually been, um, you know, uh, geeks and and gamers and um, you know and, and that sort of thing. But but certainly. Um, getting involved in sort of, you know, alternate sexuality mm-hmm. uh opens up a, a whole different sort of chosen family. One of, one of the interesting things is having come to non-monogamy uh so so late into our relationship. Yeah. Um we, you know, we started off closeted and I remember that um sort of that wedge between us and a lot of our vanilla chosen family because of, because of the, the, you know, the, that we obviously had something going on in our lives, but we weren't really talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely challenging. And I think we'd, um, we'd certainly spent time with my chosen family sort of as an adult, it's been a lot of, a lot of geeky folks, a lot of musical theater people. Um, yeah, that's doing, right. Doing yeah. shows together really, you know, when you're creating stuff, um, it becomes this really quite intimate group. And a lot of those people were who spent most of my time with and really felt most connected with. Um, but yeah, as you said, when we, when we started experiencing other things, it just wasn't something we talked about with a lot of those folks and, and it did drive a bit of a wedge. Um, and we, and it was, and it was kind of interesting as a sort of, a um, internal discord because, you know, with, um, with some of the people, some of the new people that, that you're uh, bringing into your life, um, 
we we felt so you know authentic, right? Like we're yes. sort of expressing these parts of our sexuality that we never uh, found a way to explore, and so there's that you know that that feeling of you know really feeling authentically us, and yet you know the feeling of inauthenticity of having to you know kind of um, hide that from a lot of the other people in our lives. So it's um, you know, and, and, uh, even though we are, uh, we're pretty much out, um, I'm not, I'm not exactly super out and proud about our open relationship, uh, even though I'm, even though I'm out, um, uh, because of the potential consequences to, uh, Iris and, mm. you know, because of, uh, uh, professional and personal considerations yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, that's trickier. And like my biological family, I was pretty close to, um, but with both parents being deceased and I have an older brother um, who, you know, we're, we're friends, we like each other, but we don't have a lot in common. So um, that, that close family has never really been a thing. And because, you know, my parents came from another country also don't have that sort of built in extended uh, biological family um, yeah. to, to go from. So. Yeah, both of us are have been kind of, you know, on sort of somewhat isolated from our families, but not in a deliberate, like, you know, you're terrible kind of way. <laughs> it's just more sort of circumstance. So we just thought it was worth mentioning that sort of where we're coming from, but we understand it can be very different for a lot of people. So yeah, there. I mean, there can be an amazing feeling, as you as you said, when you find your people, that ability to be authentic, to be really you. It you, you just drop so much, like just that stress and and things that you're carrying. Um, so and you can just it's sometimes it doesn't have to be sexy stuff, but it can be with fellow geeks when you make the right reference and and someone just gets you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's you just sort of like, oh, okay. Or like music friends with, you know, queer friends, swingers, kinksters, polyamorous folks, trans folks. Like when you find the people that you really fit in with. Someone um, who's seen all the same seasons of The Simpsons that you have. Exactly. And- yeah. You make that reference and they get it versus... You know, and sometimes generationally, you can you can have these connections in one way, and then you you make a reference to kids in the hall, and someone's like, "Yeah, I was kind of born as they were going off the air." <laughs> um, yeah. So you know that that can also be a thing, and each section of that can have its subsections because, like, maybe you're kinky and into rope, or maybe into puppy play, or into like that kind of thing, or you know, if you're if you're swingers who, who do group sex versus, you know, having sort of more intimate dates, like you just, you have often the subsections of, of people that you click with. Well, and, and I think one of the important things about, you know, having, um, you know, having people that you, um, that you have those things in common with is, you know, um, being able to talk about your experiences together, right? So yes. you might you might be out to your musical theater friends, but you know you're not going to talk about you know um, fisting somebody at an orgy <laughs> yes. with them. P- probably you're probably. probably not going to. Yeah, 
those those of them who've read my book might, <laughs> might have a different experience, but still that's them choosing, you know, them opting in versus me being like, you would not believe what I did this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, or when you go to work and it's like, what did you get up to? And you're like, oh, uh, he, he, he. we saw some friends. <laughs> you know? um, so yeah, that ability, you know, when you're, when you meet people and you just really feel able to, uh, to click that way is really nice. Um, and we are specifically in this conversation, not using the word tribe, even though like it's often like it's it's a great word. Nice to say like, oh, we found our tribe. But, you know, a lot of indigenous folks consider it to be appropriation of of their word and and their, you know, lived experience. So we're just we're opting not to use that. We're saying chosen family, our people like that kind of thing. So that's just where we're where we are with this. Um, obviously one of the other upsides to, to having chosen family is, um, is being able to have, you know, that, you know, that sort of, um, close knit community that maybe you don't have with your biological family because of, uh, tricky and fraught relationships. Yes. And, you know, and for, um, you know, for me, for my family, family relationships are not, are not, you know, hostile or anything. But they are a little strained, you know. My just about everybody, in, I, probably, probably to a person suffers from uh, depression and or anxiety, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and you know, and in, in some cases, bipolar or other uh, more serious um, uh, mood disorders. So you know, so that these things can create a lot of rifts between people when, you know, especially when they're sort of untreated or in denial about, you know, about their, their mental health. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes newer family is also, you know, it's a little bit like NRE. Um, (laughs) It really is. NFE. um, That you, you don't have that history of Mm -hmm. all the shit. Um, that you go through with, with your biological family and, or your family of origin, it, yeah, you just, you don't have all that background and, and sometimes that can just make it a lot, you're able to start fresh in a way that is just, yeah, it's a lot easier. That's really, it's, it's kind of funny that you reference NRE because it really can be like that when you're, you know, when you're, you're, you're making, um, you know, new friends and, and, um, and that, that thing where, uh, you know, it's a it is a lot like being on a date, and you you find things in common that oh, you yeah. both are both really excited about. And yes. You're just getting more and more animated, and um, yeah. so. Yeah. And much like NRE, sometimes that wears off. Like mm-hmm. sometimes you're you're you've got this like, oh my god, we're exactly the same. And then the more time you spend together, you're like, oh, uh-huh. we are not exactly the same at all. Wow, I'm kind of sick of your shit. And so. yeah, and we, you know, may not share these values and and that kind of thing. And it just, you know, sometimes that will fade. But um, so what do you think the difference is between chosen family and just your circle of close friends? Like, what's what's the distinction there? I think there's uh, a, a level of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a certain amount of, of artifice that you drop with your chosen family versus your circle of friends. Like, as you said, you know, we're not going to talk about our, our sex lives with our circle of friends, um, unless that is something that comes up. And some people do like to hear the stories. (laughs) Um, but it's, yeah, there's this level of intimacy. And once you've sort of all admitted the thing, whether that is, you know, something kinky or whether, you know, it's about 
open relationships or whatever, once you've admitted like, hey, I, I'm into this, a lot of the fear of, of being found out is gone. So you're, you're just, yeah, you're able to be your authentic self and, and just to have an immediate sense of intimacy that, that goes beyond what you do with friendships. I think, you know, I think chosen family is kind of like what, what happens with um, a friendship over time when you, um, when, when you, you know, you, uh, I feel like it's almost when you get past the, you know, the NRE stage of a friendship. Right. And, um, and so there's uh, a certain degree of, of unconditional love there, right? Like where, you know, when you, when you're comfortable making an unreasonable request, if you're, you know, if you're in trouble or in distress, you know, something like that. Um, I think that's really where, um, where friendship starts veering over into, into family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're going to, you know, take them to the hospital at four in the morning or something like that, just that you, that you might not do for a casual acquaintance or, you know, or or even a, or that, that you know what I I think maybe the the signal that you know that you're um, that you're you're you've entered that sort of relationship is less about uh, what you'd be willing to do and what you're comfortable asking, right? Because oh. you know most most people most people if somebody was in distress and Fair. they asked them, would you drive me to the hospital at four a.m. You would say yes, yeah, but it is fair. it's the measure of the relationship is that that person is comfortable asking that of you feeling, you know, the knowing the burden that they're, they're placing on you having to, you know, having both having to do it and having to deal with the request. So, yeah, yeah that's really good. Good clarification there. Yeah. I mean, especially for, you know, for those of us who have a lot of trouble asking people for things, and, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, maybe that's not as good of a measuring stick for someone who's like, you know, super blurty and, you know, happy to, you know, ask, ask anything of anybody and just, you know, and, and assumes that people will say no, if that's not yeah. okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's my measuring stick. <laughs> Tien. Um, so Amistad Maupin, who wrote, um, I believe Tales of the City is, I think, what it's called. Um, and there's a series on Netflix right now um, that is sort of the continuation of that. Like there are a number of stories that he wrote um, about San Francisco and about queer culture and about this this set of apartments um, on a street, I think, Barbary Lane that, um, that yeah, all of these, you know, queers and and weirdos and and isolated folks come together and they are living in this thing and you know they become family and um so he would differentiate between biological families and logical families which is is really quite a delightful way to express it um of your chosen family your logical family that kind of thing is is kind of a nice way to think about it and the chosen family thing can be really important for those who've lost their biological families mm-hmm. or their families of origin um, for whatever reason, whether it's being rejected for, you know, often people who are queer um, get rejected by their families or, you know, trans folks or, you know, for whatever reason that the families might reject um, or if you had to reject them uh, because they were abusive and or um, things that you just are like, I just have to walk away from this. Um, yeah. And, and some people have, you know, the ability to kind of bounce back and forth and other people just don't have that. Well, and I, and I think that this is one of the most important ideas uh, around chosen family is that 
You do not need to maintain ties and a relationship with your biological family if that relationship is harmful to you. Yes. You know, there's there you know, there there's a lot of stuff in our cultural history that says the opposite. Yeah. That, you know, family first. Uh, you blood, know, blood is thicker than water. Blood is thicker than water. It's I mean, uh, you know, it's literally true, but <laughs> um but metaphorically it's it's I think it can be really harmful where yes. you know and um, you know, and, and even, um, even certain types of relationships that were expected to, you know, endure a lot of tribulation, um, can, you know, the implication might be, you know, you also endure abuse, whether it's from your, your bio family or from your spouse or from, um, you know, from your, uh, from, from your children for that matter. Oh, yeah. uh, and, um, and so, yeah, I think that the, the idea of chosen family is, is that, you know, you do not, you know, the people that you have blood with, you do not need to consider them family. You can, yeah. you can, uh, you know, they can just be your, um, your relations and you can, you can, uh, you can build a family and community that, um, that accepts you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, there's there's other circumstances where you may not have access to your to your biological family, uh, whether it's through ge- geographical distance or through through death, or you know your your immediate family just doesn't have connections to an extended family yeah. be- because of you know just uh, being being separated by geographical distance over generations. Yeah, yeah, or like you know often maybe your parent had no siblings or a sibling or, you know, that kind yep. of thing. Like mm-hmm. they're just, some families are just really small. Yeah. One of the things that I, I find specifically when I'm with my chosen family is, is that sense of home that, you know, that able to be myself, to stop hiding, you know, my true nature, um, to be able to relax as much as I'm ever able to relax. <laughs> You can you can uh, take on your final form. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can drop like five of the eight shields that I've got. <laughs> uh, <laughs> could go to yellow alert instead of red. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, and and um, and maybe maybe this is maybe this is a lesson also about you know maybe maybe we can cultivate those types of relationships with the people that are already in our lives you know like maybe if part of the reason why you you you, uh favor uh chosen family over bio family maybe uh there's maybe there is an opportunity to be more authentic with your bio family to be you know to be yourself you know and um and to be who you really are and so then you can feel more more home when you're when you're with those those people you know and and um yeah. Just thought, just thinking out loud. Okay. That's kind of what podcasting is. <laughs> <laughs> Suppose it is. The other thing it can give you is is an extended sense of community. Um, right. Especially for those of us who live in, in big cities, like we just don't always have that that sense of community. You know, you might not know your neighbors, um, you know, especially if you live in a in a big high rise or something like that. You're just not always gonna like you might like say hi to them in the elevator or whatever, but um, other than knowing their dog's name, you might not actually, <laughs> you know, know who who they are. Um, and yeah, people in small towns often have a little bit more of that 
community, although not necessarily because, you know, there can be that, that sort of judgmenty kind of isolation thing that happens. But, um, but yeah, so these, uh, you know, your chosen family circles can, can just give you that sense of community that, you know, that are going to maybe like make you meals when you've, you know, had some sort of injury and can't cook for yourself or like do things yeah. that, you know, perhaps if, if you were religious and you were in a church or something like that, like that was a function that the church really served um, at one point, or I'm sure it does for some people some still. People, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like we, a lot of the time we just don't have that anymore in any other way. So you kind of have to generate that. Yeah. It's um, that that's really interesting. And, and I think that maybe taking a lesson from, from churchgoers and the and both the sort of the regularity of community or you know fellowship as some modern churches like to okay. like to say fellowship um and uh you know and and that's you know that 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 sense of like uh taking care of each other that's um often you know uh city folk like us you know it's like we we don't really like to impose. We you know spend yeah. you know we and uh, you know and and so for me one one of my chosen families is you know my my gaming friends mm. and so the great thing about that is is it something you do regularly and yeah. you, you meet and you talk and and so we we uh, we meet for dinner beforehand uh, except today because I'm podcasting. <laughs> Sorry everyone. Um, and, you know, and so, yeah, there's, there's, there's a real sort of, uh, you know, community around that. And, and I think often, um, people can, can find themselves, you know, quite isolated, you know, they go to work, they go home and then, yeah. you know, a few weeks go by and it's like, and, and they, they wonder why they're like, you know, starved for attention. Yeah. Well, and I'm very guilty of hermiting. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I will on, on weekends often or things like that, you know, it might be that I don't really leave the house for three days um, because I don't have those kinds of things um, because I get very resentful when I do have those kinds of things. <laughs> it's a tough kind of dichotomy because I both like want those connections and feel like overwhelmed by those connections. So I sort of need like things that are like, semi-monthly or <laughs> something like that that but i mean the you know the the problem with the thing that is not weekly oh yeah is that falls you know apart. it falls apart yeah if it's every other week then it becomes every ever every other never yeah um so so yeah if you're if you're if you're going to do things regularly it has to be regular yeah which is why i haven't been doing any <laughs> <laughs> but you th you're thinking about going back to musical theater right i am yeah so, although the earwork or earworms that kept me up till three in the morning last night have made me think about that again. Oh yeah. Um, some people that sometimes end up part of our chosen family as former partners. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and and um, and I feel like in in non monogamy, this is this is maybe a little more common yeah. than it is in mono, you know, especially you know heteronormative monogamy, uh, where you kind of sever ties with your exes and uh, and I and you know I think to you know on the one hand it's it's kind of a natural function of um, of kind of being less entangled right so that so that when you do uh, transition away from from a connected relationship like that it's 
you know, it's kind of easier and more natural to, to segue into a different kind of relationship. And so. Yeah. And in, um, in queer culture, it's very common to be friends with your ex. And I think it, it, has to do with like size of population as well because if you've dated various people and then you're like you know doing the the straight mono version of this like of just like cutting you out cutting you out cutting you out like soon you can't you can't leave your house because like everybody is going to be an ex um so it's important to have that ability to to make friends and and you know you might need some time like you obviously it can be really hard and and need time to heal wounds um before you move forward with that friendship thing um i just i know that i personally usually try to go to the friendship thing too soon right um which is really hard and then you're sort of doing the healing while like reopening the wound constantly and that can be really difficult and and I learned that the hard way over this past year that like me wanting like a sort of an intimate friendship um with someone I was no longer partnered with it yeah it was it I think it made it more difficult for me than if I had just let it you know be kind of a a breakup and and walk away for a while and then come back to it and look at it you know trying to build a friend trying to rebuild a friendship from there. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, I think you need a cooling off period, you know, gotta, gotta get them out of your system. <laughs> and unfortunately with non-monogamy, the whole, the way you get over someone is get under someone else thing just doesn't really work because <laughs> like you're often getting under somebody else. Yeah. I did. Um, but obviously, you know, much like with your, uh, family of origin, sometimes you're not going to be friends with former partners because of, you know, a huge list of things like mm-hmm. sometimes that's just not an option um but it is quite common especially in non-monogamous communities and queer communities to to have that uh, potential you know person still be in your life hey lovies this is dirty lola host and creator of this sex at a go-go podcast sex at a go-go is a live comedy show sex ed q a and go-go review that takes place once a month in New York in the back room of a tiki bar. But what happens if you can't make it to New York in the back room of a tiki bar? That's why you listen to the podcast. That's right. It's a live show. I'm being funny. I'm going to teach you some things. You're not even going to know you're learning. So join me here on swingset.fm or the Swingset app for Android or on sexatagogo.com and check us out. You won't regret it. So why don't you talk about metamors? So metamors or, uh, you know, the, the partners of your partners, um, it's, it's actually, it's amazing how close you can feel with them. Even, even if you don't have a lot of contact, um, often the contact that you do have is, you know, can be very close and very, you know, surprisingly intimate mm-hmm. and they can be a great resource, even, even if, um, you know, and, and, and this is kind of interesting and, and in some ways it does make it kind of a, uh, an interesting analog to a, to your biological family where you may not consider your metamor a friend, but you might consider them family, yes. right? Like, so you might, you know, you might feel that, that closeness. They're not somebody that you, 
chat with. They're not somebody that you, you know, you ask about their day, but if, you know, if you know that they're having a, t- a tough time, you might reach out to them. You might, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you're, when your partner's going to see them, you know, you know, send them a message saying, you know, how, you know, how happy it makes you that they're, you know, that they're getting to see them. And, and so, so yeah, um, you, you may be, you may be wonderful friends with the metamore, but you might, you might have a, a really strong and important connection without actually having a friendship. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a fascinating thing. And, and I've sometimes found that reaching out to my metamors is something I do more than necessarily reaching out to my partner if, mm-hmm. if something is going on. Um, because there is that like slight distance. Yeah. Um, yeah. that, that sometimes, you know, asking things of, of, of not, strangers but people that you're less intertwined with on a daily basis or or that sort of thing can it can feel really safe to to ask them questions or to ask for support in a way that that you might not um with someone like really really close yeah you can express a uh, a, a lot of vulnerability mm-hmm. because they they already know so much about you and about your life and about your relationships um and you know and yeah at the same time the, the stakes are much lower than with uh, than with someone that you you actually have a sexual relationship with. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I I found it quite fascinating the the ability to to have those connections, especially like metamors at a distance, like with long distance relationships and and people I don't know especially well that have sometimes become pretty intimate friends, and sometimes even the the partnership has ended, but I've still been close with the, the former metamore, um, that, that they've, you know, become a person in my life in a way that, yeah, you just sort of wouldn't expect that to continue that way, but you know, they've become family. Your casual sex friends can also be part of your chosen family. Cause sometimes it's that, you know, you start having sex and you become friends, um, and they become sort of part of your family or other times, you know, they've already been your, part of your kind of friendship family and then you start having sex yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that just deepens the connection yeah and or, or that you know they they might be um something that's that uh, that is not unusual in in our lives is is somebody that um you know we might have sex with once in a blue moon yeah. right so we're you know we're we're uh, you know, we're friends with, with them and we might see them, you know, relatively often, but you know, the, the, the sex is just, you know, sort of a, a once in a while thing. And, and, you know, and again, um, this is a case where having that sexual relationship, you know, creates, you know, sort of so much more like understanding of each other's lives, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it, 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 it brings down a lot of the, uh, it potentially brings down a lot of the barriers that you might have. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And particularly I think in, in polyamorous relationships and kind of multi-partnered, more intense relationship styles of, of, um, of non-monogamy, um, that can be something like when you, you find people who, who live a similar life to you, um, that can just be like, oh, you get what we're talking about with the scheduling or yeah. with the difficulty of making this and this and this work. Um, yeah, how hard it can be in certain milestones when you're, you know, when you're going through something with a relationship or your partner is. Yeah, and that sometimes you'll you'll be able to reach out to them or they might reach out to you because they know that 
something is going on. Oh yeah, I re- yeah I remember. Uh, I remember when when yeah someone who was kind of ended up sort of unexpectedly um, uh, becoming sort of more involved in Polly in their relationship, and I was like, you know. Is it okay that I feel weird about this feeling going so fast? You know, I'm having really tough feelings, and, and you're like, "Yeah, that's really fast," and that is, you know, that's I can totally understand why you're why you're having challenges with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm thinking about our friends who all live like very close together. There's sort of partners. Um, there's like a husband, wife, and their two partners. Um, sort of all live in these apartments like across the hall from one another and it's it's so fascinating to see like how close they're like they are you know they're family family they um, really are yeah and um and to be sort of included in and out of that because of our friendships and occasional um sexy times with with those folks and um you know it's very different type of relationship style than we practice um but it's yeah it still just feels like this connected thing um because we we get at least on the surface what what the relationship is like yeah it's um uh i i don't know i don't know how common that is but it's it certainly is you know really uh really amazing to see but but yeah it's like the the uh, the four of them are very much a family and uh, you know, spend a lot of time together and, and uh, you know, travel in various configurations yeah. and stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I would have to have an apartment down the hall. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe across the street. Yeah, I was like, or a different floor or maybe yeah, across the street, down the street, <laughs> the next town over. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I can really admire how it works for them and also understand that it would not work for me. Um, but yeah, cause like this good segue to this of, of how complicated it can be. Like when you're having issues with someone within your chosen family. It, yeah. It, it really is because of, of how, you know, how connected the people you might normally reach out to might be yeah. to the entire situation. Yeah. And you know, we, we joke about it being incestuous in a lot of ways in, in non-monogamous communities, but it really does start to feel that way because if, you know, you're, you've been involved in with these people and then you go to talk to other people, but they're also involved in those people with those people. Like it becomes hard to be able to just objectively or not objectively (laughs) subjectively, (laughs) like, you know, talk about issues you're having when they have, you know, a vested interest in that. Well, and, and, and you, I often feel like I don't, I don't want to put this person in a position of, of having yes. bad feelings about this, yeah. this other person. You don't want to color their. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to color their, their feelings and, you know, and, um, and yeah. So I would, I, I would often much rather uh, sort of process it with someone who's completely disconnected from the situation, yeah. but yeah, that can be hard. I, I, I have sometimes joked that, that like, you know, every non-monogamous person in North America is like three degrees separated from, yeah. from each other that, you know, if you don't know someone and you don't know, you know, someone that they know, you will definitely know someone that that, that person knows. So, yeah, yeah, that's very true. And yeah, I, I've found sometimes that I, like, I haven't felt like I've had anyone that I yeah. could talk to because of the complicated, um, 
geometry of, <laughs> of all of the, you know, relationship configurations. And, and that is sometimes really lonely. Yeah. And, um, often your natural inclination is to swallow your feelings anyway. And so when what? there's, <laughs> when there's, when there's that sort of additional, um, factor to consider, you know, how, how is this going to affect their relationship? Yeah. So. You know, and there's, you're not always going to like the people that your partners are connected with. Um, so, yeah. you know, who they choose to make their family isn't always who you would choose to make your family. And that can definitely be tricky. Yeah. Um, you know, much like with your family of origin that make, you know, there might be an aunt or uncle that you're just like, ah, why? Um, that, you know, you go and you talk to and you kind of have the, have the strained smile. Um, but, yeah, like that is something that can definitely come up um, and and be quite challenging. And even within sort of bigger groups of people, there's going to be people that you just don't mesh with. Like mm-hmm. when we, you know, when we would go to Desire with the swing set, you know, there are the people there that you're, you just can't wait to see and you want to spend basically every minute, you know, hanging out and chatting with and maybe getting frisky but like in fact like the hot tub time just talking is was always one of my favorite things about being at desire well i mean there's Um, a reason why people hang out in the hot tub until you know until 5 a.m yeah because that that kind of connection was just and it just it feels like you're with your people and it feels so wonderful but there are always going to be those people that you're like fuck they're here you know (laughs) um and uh I always seem to end up sitting next to them Um, or, you know, you just, they end up being multiple, you know, circles um, that you just like keep meeting up with them over and over and over again. (laughs) That um, You know, it's just, and again, you just sort of have to figure out how to deal with that. But much like your family of origin, you're just, you're some of the people you're just going to kind of wish they didn't come to uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, and the the interconnectedness can also mean that sometimes relationships end up like dominoes, right? Yeah, where, um, you know, and like some, it 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 can sometimes be great when you you know you start a new relationship and suddenly there's like this whole new kind of connected family that's that's part of that. But then that also ups the stakes when something happens, when you, you know, you, you decide that you don't want to be in a relationship with that person anymore, especially if it ends up, you know, um, ugly or, uh, or emotional. Uh, yeah, you, you might, you might lose uh, a whole network of people. Yeah. And, and that can be just, that can be really, you know, it just makes it even more devastating as if breakups aren't challenging enough that um you you know where you're losing this person that you um you know had this intense relationship with and then you're losing their friendship which a lot of the time is also um one of the incredibly hard things um and then you're losing not all the time but a lot of the time their people yeah um in some sort of way whether you're just like maybe not going you don't fly across the country to see them anymore so you don't get to see the people that you would see when you would go to visit them yeah um and you might talk to those people online or whatever but it's you know it's a different thing you're just like oh i loved getting to see you every six months or whatever and that's you're just gone now that's just gone now and and that can be like just those extra little 
kind of gut punches in you know, um, when relationships change. Yeah, and you know, and it, it can it can often it can often be a real a, something that's a, a real surprise. Is you might think that that your relationship with with somebody is uh, is more significant until you know a breakup kind of you know creates you know less of a connection there yeah and then you're like oh wait a minute i i guess we're not really friends yeah (laughs) oh my god why do your notes end on a bummer um (laughs) you know but the um you know the reality is that chosen family is um because we we don't have these permanent connections um they're you know they they are more likely to go through transitions and shifts and changes yeah. right and um you know and uh, and and so i think it's um it's just it's just part of uh part of life that that these that these things are are going to be you know uh sometimes a little more ephemeral right sometimes yeah. you're, sometimes chosen family is is somebody that that you are going to you're going to grow old with you're going to know yeah. for the for the rest of your life um and you know and uh sometimes it's it's going to be somebody that comes in and out of your life yeah yeah it just emphasizes the impermanence of everything yeah. that we often talk about in non-monogamy and and it it doesn't make those relationships any less valuable yeah um and there's you know something from monogamy culture that really tells us that the only valuable things are like permanent things like you yeah. know like you you succeeded in marriage if you know both of you are in body bags like and so that that things that were short term you know and sometimes you you have these just intense things for like a week yes. and and that shifts and you know that doesn't mean that it wasn't a really valuable thing and and so yeah maybe these friendships that and and that you know people become family as you as you develop these intimacies, but you, you know, you might move to a different place or you might, you know, like take on a different kind of hobby and you're just like, they're just not part of your orbit anymore. And, and it just kind of fades and, you know, that's okay. Thank you for joining us. The audiobook version of my book, Yelling and Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut, is now available on Audible and iTunes. It's also available on ebook and paperback. Go to Amazon.com or visit OnTheWetCoast.com for links to other marketplaces. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast platforms to help more listeners find us. Just a few sentences make a huge difference in our visibility. You can help us have more adventures to tell you about by contributing to our Patreon, patreon.com slash on the wet coast. Huge thanks to our Patreon supporters who help make the show possible. Follow us on Twitter at wetcoastcat, at seriousflick at on the wet coast. Email comments or questions to contact at on the wet coast.com. Go to on the wet coast.com for cat's blog, toy reviews, and more. Check out other great sex positive podcasts on the Swingset Network at swingset.fm. Hi, this is Bradford, co-host of By the By, a podcast for anyone interested in learning a bit more about bisexuality, the swinger community, open relationships, BDSM, and everything else your vanilla friends refuse to talk with you about. You're listening to a Swingset Network podcast at swingset.fm. Start recording.
recording some uh, some audio. I'm just gonna swing this to me a little bit more since I'm the quieter one. You're the quiet one. Everyone always says that. Yeah. And uh, I'm I'm the bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> you are the bad boy. We're we're a '90s boy band. I'm the quiet one and you're the bad boy. Yes. <laughs> Our 90s band name is Quiet One and the Bad Boy. 